This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, April 18th, and today we're going to look at some of what went down during the first weekend of the NBA playoffs. And on this episode, we will also continue what we started last week with the fantasy second round in review, the performances of fantasy's second round players under the microscope with their outlooks moving forward. To do all of this, I'm joined by one uh, Steve Alexander. Steve, how was the weekend? How was your uh, opening playoff weekend? Do you have anything to report? I had a fantastic week- weekend. My uh, my buddy, Scott Lynn, I've been friends with him since fourth grade, came and stayed with us for the weekend and nice. picked up some of his master's gear that I purchased in his stead and we went and played golf that was tremendous we toured some of the north georgia wineries oh wow man i I don't think you've been up here to the to the wineries that are in my backyard but there's like 20 of them and they're they're all pretty amazing i have not i've not had a i've not had a wine soaked afternoon in uh in dahlonega yeah and then johnny b's of course was on the agenda a few times so we we just had and we watched some uh we watched some sports. We watched some baseball. We watched some basketball. It was just a, it's a great, great weekend. Great weekend. But that really does, that really does sound like you got a lot in. I'm impressed. Really impressed. Yeah. How about you? What'd you do? I did. I also played golf on Friday. I only played nine holes, but nine is better than zero, as some say. And I don't remember anything else. Okay. Let's get into this. We've got some playoff games. We want to just kind of do a quick flyover of some of the high points and low points of the opening weekend of the playoffs. And Steve, we could really start anywhere here. I know that you were uh, fired up by this Nets-Celtics result on Sunday. Do you want to start there? Yeah, I mean, the Nets are probably in my top five least favorite NBA teams. But for some reason, I thought it would be a great idea to pick them to win it all. And so then I... I find myself rooting for them because I don't want to look like a complete moron. And, you know, we're me and my family got a card game going in the kitchen and my dishwasher sits just high enough that I can't see the TV in the family room from my seat in the kitchen. While that game was taking place, my hat turned up loud enough. I I'd stand up, you know, every so often and find out what was going on. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the, the nets were down 20 something and now they're winning with like two minutes left. So I kind of paused everything and went over there, watched it. And it looked like the Nets had the game wrapped up. And then all of a sudden Tatum broken play Tatum ends up with a ball in his hands and a crazy 360 spin mm-hmm. layup move right before the, the red light. And it, it was an awesome play and a tough loss for the Nets. Marcus Smart either threw the greatest pump fake I've ever seen or that was just horrible defensive discipline because two defenders went flying in the air on that Marcus Smart pump fake simultaneously to set that whole weird play up. And Steve, I got to quickly follow up though. How high is your dishwasher or how low is your TV? Like what, what are we talking about here? I'm having trouble visualizing the situation where the dishwasher was blocking your TV view. 
Man, I'm glad you asked that. And and this is not you. We did not set this up ahead of time. But my favorite feature of uh-huh. my entire home is that whoever built it had the foresight to raise our dishwasher about foot and a half off the ground. So it's the same size as any other dishwasher. It just doesn't yeah. sit on the floor. It sits up on like a, it's an enclosed pedestal right next to the sink, like built in. Dude, I don't have to bend over to get stuff in and out of my dishwasher. It's all like right there at it. Oh, wow. It's incredible, Matt. I, I cannot believe this, this raised dishwasher thing has not taken over the nation. It, it wow. should be a, a hot craze. It does sound kind of nice, except for the TV watching, I guess. That's yeah, the only other than only that, ex- when I'm actually working in the dishwasher, it is it is incredible. We've got that puppy up up on a pedestal, Matt. Man. Yeah. Well, anyways, Celtics are up one game to nothing, 115 to 114. Kyrie Irving had 39 points, and I, I enjoyed our NBC Sports Edge blurb that said that he uh, he may be facing some sort of fine or something after telling a couple of fans that they're number one after making a three-pointer that I enjoyed that I'm not sure who wrote that but I got a kick out of that Steve yeah and then after the game in the press conference that you can find out there if you you look for it like he's he he repeats every word that he says a Boston fan said to him and that's that's pretty entertaining and find worthy also yeah wow what else do you take away from this game Steve I mean it, it I still think this is shaping up to be quite a series um and we're going to talk about some lopsided-looking series, series that already look lopsided after one game. This is not one of them. No, I mean this looks. This should be a, a pretty good, pretty good war. I don't know who's going to win the series. I, I kind of felt like okay, Katie and Kyrie are going to kick this thing into overdrive, and and the Celtics, the poor Celtics who played so consistently and and so well all season, are going to get bamboozled. But man, Tatum. Tatum's just as good as any other player in the league at this point. Like what he's had a great year. Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart, all that playoff experience they have on that team without Horford and, and whatnot. Uh, they sure could use Robert Williams. I do know that. But I mean, it's just it's it's a series like when I see that it's coming on, I just want to watch it. Yeah. Kind of un- the opposite of the Bulls Bucks. Like, oh, I can do something else for three hours while the Bulls and Bucks work this out. I want to watch it, and at the same time, somehow I just I. This is true for basically any playoff team that's not the Hawks. I want both teams to lose so badly, so it's a little bit of a strange feeling when one team wins like emotionally on Sunday. You know, buzzer beater. Um, it's a strange feeling. I'm just, I guess, I'm just jealous. Um, but by by the way, Steve, Nick Claxton had another good game. I I've been playing some playoff DFS with friends. I can never get Nick Claxton into my lineup for a good game. I never succeed, but he did it again on sunday 13 points eight rebounds a steal and three blocks in 31 minutes he is two for 11 from the free throw line his last two games but uh he's been playing pretty well lately and looking like kind of looking like the guy at center right now for the nets uh i like that that's a good call and hopefully next year is the the nick claxton full breakout season we all we all want and need in our lives yeah no doubt. Steve, it was a rough one for the Hawks on Sunday, as we talked about. The Hawks got crushed by Miami, coming off that emotional win over Cleveland. I mean, Trey Young, season low, I believe. I think he shot one for 12, 0 for 7 on threes. Miami's defense was swarming him, was harassing him, was shoving him. It, it was it was brutal. And uh, I don't know what else to say other than uh, it's only one game. So we just moved past it. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I just can't get over the fact that Trey Young only had eight points in a basketball game. Like that is yeah. that's hard to believe. And the fact that they held him to one of twelve, like like when we were talking about this matchup on the on the preview show that we did, I was like, you know, the Heat don't really scare me that much as a number one. But man, that defense and PJ Tucker out there, like, yeah, they looked pretty good. They they made the Hawks look really really bad. But if the Hawks turn around and win game two, then they have home court and, and the whole outlook changes. So right, right, going to be fascinating to see how the Hawks respond on Tuesday night. Knowing this Hawks team, they really can look different uh, game to game, even quarter to quarter. So wouldn't surprise me at all. I think wouldn't surprise a lot of people to see the Hawks play way better on Tuesday night. I think it was. A little bit of a combo of the Heat played really well, especially defensively, and a little bit of an aberration where the Hawks were just, you know, whatever, tired. They didn't want to make that excuse, but it sure well, seemed that and way. Matt, I know, I know you want to do it. I know you want to say the NBA schedulers have it out for the Hawks because, I mean, why the Hawks have to play these back-to-back playoff games and, and play-in games, that, you know, not back-to-back, but, you know, right on top of each other, and then turn around and play on the road at 1 o'clock for the first game of the day, like, total bs like i really thought you were gonna you were gonna do it but since you didn't i did it for you so you don't appreciate that you so you don't sound all whiny and stuff i appreciate that no no (laughs) more whiny than i probably already did the steve i got a text from you over the weekend saying something to the effect of i'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you on your raptors prediction which on our friday preview show i said i thought that the raptors were gonna beat the sixers obviously game one that looked really bad steve when the raptors pretty much got crushed and it looks even worse now with the news that Scotty Barnes has an ankle injury. He's doubtful for game two. Gary Trent, doubtful for game two with a non-COVID illness. And I think Thaddeus Young is up in the air with a hyperextended thumb, Steve. Not that he's a huge piece for the Raptors, but, I mean, injury issues. And I think the Scotty Barnes one is just huge for Toronto. Yeah, and Scotty Barnes, I believe, has already been ruled out. He's out. He's been ruled out, and it's sounding like Trent is likely not playing either. Right? Correct. He's doubtful. Correct. Yeah. Any anytime somebody's doubtful in the NBA, like maybe once out of every 150 times that person ends up playing. Right. Because the team wasn't being fully truthful with us. But if they're doubtful, they're probably out. And that, that's tough. That's tough for Toronto. And Philadelphia looked looked pretty pretty good out there yeah took game one like you said it's in philadelphia so they they should have won that game series doesn't really start until a home team loses but toronto's you know we got to remember fred van van vliet's also sort of playing on one leg at this point too so yeah i don't have a great feeling about the raptors here no i mean they're in huge trouble honestly i was all set to come on here and say Oh, it's just one game. One lopsided game one loss doesn't necessarily mean a ton in these series. But then when you throw in the injuries, Steve, I'm I'm super concerned about the Raptors. Big trouble. In terms of playoff DFS, though, it seems like it might be Chris Bosh, Chris Boucher time here on uh, Monday night. Wouldn't you think? I think he's 4,500 on FanDuel. I mean, or are we just set up for classic Chris Boucher disappointment? I mean, really, at this point, Matt, it could... <laughs> It could go either way. Sort of like the, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, do you do you trust Chris Boucher at this point? No, no, but I'm rolling with him. He's 4,500 on FanDuel. I don't, I don't see how he can get around it at this what point. What did he do? What were his numbers on Saturday? Was he? I didn't it was really... quiet. I got to double check, but. Oh, 15 minutes, seven points. So, so you're, you're 
theorizing that because of all these injuries, it could really be some Chris Bosch slash Chris Boucher time, some Bobby Boucher time there in uh, Toronto. Yeah, and I mean, I guess also, I mean, precious. And and by the way, he did foul out. He had six. He, he fouled out in fourteen minutes of that game. I think he had three fouls really early in that game. Yeah, of course he did. Precious Achua played 28 minutes in that opener. He'd be another guy I'd be looking at. In fact, I got to double check his salary on FanDuel, but probably even before uh, Boucher, I guess, Achua. Yeah, and the Scotty Barnes thing, um, I mean, what do you what do they replace him with? Is it Malachi Flynn? Is well, I keep seeing I don't I keep seeing that in our blurbs. I keep seeing you know, Malachi Flynn could get more of a chance. I keep seeing like Armani Brooks, but I just think to myself, Malachi Flynn played two minutes in that opener. I'd just be so nervous about trusting him in DFS right now. And unless we got some kind of concrete word, you know, that, well, if he moved in the starting lineup, obviously I'd feel very different. Or if we got some kind of update that Malachi Flynn's going to see an increased role, then maybe. And I feel like during the regular season when Scotty was out, a lot of times it was Fee McCalick they were throwing out there sometimes. Like, I don't know. I think you're better. I think you'd be better off just putting all your eggs in the friend, Freddie Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam basket. But That's fair. I don't know. Maybe we'll get a report out of Toronto from Nick Nurse early saying uh, what he's going to do. But, you know, that's not going that's tough. By the way, how about your guy, Tyrese Maxey? 38 points in mm. 38 minutes, 14 of 21 shooting, five three-pointers. I've been, actually, I haven't mentioned this, I've been extremely cold in playoff DFS. I mainly just play against friends, but I've just been just <laughs> donating money to them recently. And this is exactly the pre- precise thing that happens. I start a lineup, Maxey's in there. I'm like, I'm going to keep Maxey in there. I'm going to keep Maxey in there. The hours and minutes tick away, and somehow I go away from him. And then he scores 38 Real life points, forty something Fanduel points. His salary was fifty nine hundred, and I, I blew it again, Steve. So that's kind of what we're crazy, dealing with here. Man, he he looked he looked incredible. By the way, our Danny Green is going to make an impact on this series. Call, uh, not your that when I say ours, I mean mine. Uh, me and me and that other that other gentleman, Danny um, Pommels, Danny Pommels, Danny right? Pommels. Yeah, that didn't really that didn't really pan out either. Um, but man, yeah. I'll tell you what, Tyrese Maxey, that, that's a that is a baller right there. And the the Sixers won by twenty in a game where Harden and Embiid shot a combined eleven for thirty two. Harden, by the way, kind of did what we were talking about on our Friday preview show. We said he needs to the playmaking needs to be his biggest asset. He had fourteen assists, shot just six for seventeen, and I think at this point, I mean, I'm just expecting erratic shooting from him, but. Those high volume assists, like yeah, he just needs to be a playmaker more than more than they need him to be a great scorer. I think that's what he does best at this moment in time. That's what I was saying on Friday's show, and it seemed to play out in game one. It did. Twenty two points, fourteen assists, five boards, a steal, a block, four triples. Still great fantasy line, but I mean, Harden does not need to be a volume shooter on a team that has Embiid and Tyrese Maxey on it. Not to mention the guy that sort of became an afterthought in Philadelphia yeah. this year is Tobias Harris. He was nine of 14, had 26 points and a yeah. great stat line. So, I mean, Harden just needs to be out there passing the ball. And by the way, it's worth noting that no one else off of this Philly bench played more than 18 minutes. That was Matisse Thibault. So they rode the starters big time uh, between 37 and 40 minutes for Embiid, Harden, Harris, and Maxi. 
and then all of them, no, no one else really put a dent in the box score other than those four. Correct. And if Danny Green, if Danny Green was not a starter, it, if someone, if a real starter was in his place, there would have been five guys at 40 minutes instead of yeah. four. Yeah. Let's see. Also wanted to talk to you about, we're not going to try to hit every single game here, but I also want to quickly talk to you about the Timberwolves over the Grizzlies. Game one, a uh, a Timberwolves win, 130 to 117. It's starting to feel, Steve, like these po- this postseason, I don't want to overreact to, to, to a play-in game uh, and one playoff game too much, but it's feeling like Anthony Edwards com- coming out party. Uh, not that he was obscure before this, but he is uh, he is emerging in a big way on this playoff stage already. 36 points, six assists uh, in that win over the Grizzlies. Yeah, he really hit a wall there uh, sometime in February, I think it was, like five, six, and nine points in back-to-back-to-back games. And I was like, what is going on? I used to rely on him so heavily in FanDuel. Now I feel yeah. like I can't really use him. Um, but then, you know, that little streak ended and he's back. And now this playoff two-game, three-game stint we've seen so far is just – I guess it's been two games. Two games. Looks like he's determined to lead that team as far as he can. And, and Cat's playing well. They got, you know, your guy, Pat Beverly, is back. Uh, yeah. D'Angelo Russell out there shooting two of 11. That was – disappointing but i don't know man the wolves had a good second half of the season and i don't think anybody wants to mess with that team when carl anthony towns and anthony edwards are both hot and and not to mention d'angelo russell if all three of them get hot they're really hard to beat so um i think a lot of people were surprised to see the grizzlies go down in game one um it is a little bit concerning because now the wolves have home court advantage and I, I'm kind of excited about game two. Game two of that one, we wait till Tuesday for that one. Interestingly, they got a, they played Saturday, two days off. Must be nice. Must be nice. The Hawks don't get that. Um, <laughs> Steve, uh, the Mavs, uh, we weren't going to spend a lot of time on this one. The Mavs lost without Luca. Actually, a pretty close game. And uh, now, is he? What's the latest? I, remind me, he's doubtful for game two, or has he actually been ruled out already? Uh, that's a good question, Matt. I'm not really sure. I, got I just assumed he's not playing in yeah, game according two. To, according to Woj, unlikely to play game two. I mean, that's as close to ruled out as we get, really. Yeah, and I saw Woj on TV talking about it. And he, you know, it, what Woj writes and what, what Woj says sometimes are two different things. He was like, yeah, yeah he's listed as doubtful for Monday, but after talking to, you know, our after me and my other source talked to who we talked to, he's not, I don't think he's playing. So <laughs> hopefully Luca can play at some point in this series, because I don't think they can win the series without him. Yeah. Uh, missing the whole thing. Like they need, he, he, I'm okay with him missing game two, but man, they need him to play in game three. And if he, if he's not well enough to play in game three, I obviously don't want him to go out there and do long-term damage, but yeah. That's this the thing. It's scary. A calf strain is not something where you just want to be like, all right, just gut it out. Just, you know, I mean, you can't really, it's not really safe to just get out there and like power through that, you know? It's not. It's not safe at all. You're putting other things in jeopardy there, Steve. The old Achilles and other stuff. I'm not a doctor, but lots of, lots of things. All right. Any other, any other opening weekend playoff thoughts before we move on to our review of the fantasy second round? 
Why is Jackson Hayes so bad and doesn't get any minutes for the Pelicans? And when he does get minutes, he doesn't do anything with them. I feel like he's, I feel like he was like really coming along this he year. Was. Like things were headed in the right direction. And now every time I've used him in a DFS situation, it's just been torture. Yeah. I, I, it's tough. It, it did feel like we were trending toward trusting Jackson Hayes in fantasy there for a minute. And then he was gone and then he came back. It, it's, I've just decided it's a roller coaster, Steve. And it's not, it's not a situation we really want to be too invested in. I think it's all too risky. Okay. All right. I mean, he started and played 11 minutes. I mean, what, what more do you need to know? Right. That there's no, I mean, Larry Nance, obviously is a, it's pretty easy to make the switch to Larry Nance. The second that Jackson Hayes does something to frustrate you, you know, if you're Willie Green. Yes. And so we got we have three games Monday night, Matt. We got the Jazz Mavs, we got the Raptors and Sixers, and we got the Nuggets and Warriors. Warriors looked really good against the Nuggets. Steph Curry is appears to be on a mission. So Monday night should be should be fun. We also have a 10 p.m. Atlanta Braves Freddie Freeman meeting, Matt. That oh boy. I love me some West Coast baseball because I stay up all night covering the NBA. So I'm, I'm not excited. ready for this. Be a, I'm not ready for that specifically. Big not Monday. Ready. Not ready for that specifically. But yeah, the Warriors got Steph back on the floor, 16 points in 21 minutes off the bench. And it's looking like the, uh, I mean, I guess the Warriors are just going to roll with like Poole. I mean, Jordan Poole scored 30. I don't think he's going anywhere now, even with Steph back. Like, I, It's hard to see his role being dialed back, even as Steph ramps up, right? They're just, just going to roll like kind of small ball. Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Poole, Draymond. Like this is this seems like the Warriors' top five at this point. It's it's I mean, it's Poole, exciting. Poole has to be on the floor for them. Yeah, all night. Like he's young, he's healthy. There's nothing that's going to slow him down. He's one of the hottest players in the league. He has been for over a month. Like it's it's awesome. Like who would have thought that Jordan Poole was possibly going to be a bigger piece of that team and Steph Curry at playoff time. Yeah, I, I mean, one if Steph's first game back, I imagine we'll see a little bit of that even out and, and Steph take over as the go-to guy, obviously. But Poole, it's funny. It's it's only funny because, you know, when Clay first came back, he was kind of getting dialed back and people were asking, well, should we drop him in fantasy? And now here we are in the playoffs and he's, you know, scoring 30 in their opening playoff win to lead them. So, uh, yeah, the, the breakout has been awesome to see from Jordan Poole. It has. All right, we are going to review the second round in fantasy, the second round that was this past season. First, we're going to take a very quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. We're highlighting game three matchups between the 76ers and Raptors, Celtics and Nets, and Bucks and Bulls. If you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right, Steve, we're going to kind of go through this. We've got 12 players here to talk about. We've already talked about some of these guys a little bit. I think we can go through this relatively quickly and just kind of review. There's more to say about some of these guys than others, and I'll say the first guy, I don't know that there's a lot to say that we haven't said. That's Jason Tatum, the number 13 overall player this season in nine category leagues on a per-game basis, around 27 points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists, 3.03s per game. I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well last season, Steve, where you said something to the effect of, I'm not sprinting to draft Jason Tatum next year, but I'm fine if I end up with him. Yeah, and I don't don't know. He might have turned a corner this season. I mean, the Celtics were just rolling everybody they played. They were winning games by 20 points, 25, 30, and it just seemed like Tatum was just doing whatever he wanted. But he still, I guess it may be the, the blocks and threes. Yeah, and steals. Blocks, like, and steal, blocks and steals in particular. That They're just not eye-popping. Right. They don't pop. Man. They don't pop. So, There's 1.0 I mean, steals, 0.6 blocks. That's what he's really to. good. He's really good, but but I agree with you. I mean, the, that is the one thing you'd love to see a little more out of. If he, you know, you're going to make this guy your first round pick, which you're probably going to have to do to get him. You know, you'd like to see a little more defensive production. I think he's capable of more than 1.0 steals and 0.6 blocks, but how much more is he capable of? I don't know that it's a lot. He's not a shot blocker. I think that's been established, and he's probably he's never going to be a shot blocker. I don't think steals. I think he, he could do. He can improve on that pretty easily yeah. if he if he wants to, but I think his role with the Celtics is it's not like he's going to go in there um, and be like they're not going to tell him, hey man, we need a we need a half more block from you and I, we just need like a quarter more steals and we're hearing, uh, it's it's all good, bro. So just work on those teams. I mean, they don't care about. We're hearing from the fantasy uh, community that what we really we your exit interview, what we really <laughs> need you to work on. <laughs> There's these two clowns over at NBC. They would really like to see just a little more for me in these two. Now, you know, I, I think, I think again, and it's no different than last year, just like you said, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be reaching for Jason Tatum, but yeah. when it comes between 10 and 15, somewhere in those picks and he's there, I'm, I might, I might just grab him. I feel, I feel pretty good if he's my second rounder. If he's my first rounder, I'm thinking, ah, this team's okay. But I, you know, got to make up some numbers elsewhere because if you look at that stat line it's really good it's really good there's not a lot of holes in it but other than points there's nowhere and three threes is nice but there's nowhere that it's like this guy is really on another level he's not really dominating he's good he's it's more of like solid across the board good across the board than amazing anywhere which is why we're talking about him being a 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 pick like and he's not going to be you don't want you do not want to be taking Jason Tatum inside the top ten. 
It's the sum of its yeah, it's the sum of its parts more than it is. Oh man, you just won a couple categories by drafting this guy. You are going to potentially win a category if you draft the guy who ranked right after him. That's his teammate, Robert Williams, a time lord, obviously injured Steve, but essentially averaged a double-double this year. 10 points, 9.7 rebounds, a couple assists, 0.9 steals, 2.2 blocks. Obviously, that last number is the big difference maker. Are you taking, assuming he's got a clean bill of health with that knee and he could be back this series, are you taking time lord in the second round range happily? I don't know, man. Sixty-one games this year. He's always, always uh, had trouble staying on the floor with foul mm-hmm. foul trouble. But man, the blocks are fun, and I do love some time, Lord. And the fact that he basically averaged a double double this year is all exciting. And I think, I don't think I'm taking him early second round, but I think I would take him late second round. We need a a name for what this is because I'm just looking back at our company league draft at where he went. Bear with me for one second. I'm going to find this really efficiently. Okay, so he went 53rd in the company league. And so there is this phenomenon where when you get someone at a certain range in a draft and then the next year you have to take them like 40 picks higher or 35 picks higher, it's not a good feeling. You Specifically, you don't want to do that when you got value on that guy the year before. So... For, for that reason, for me, I can't really imagine taking him in the second round either, and especially when you bake in the injury concerns. But I do think on a per-game basis, he's got as much of a chance as anyone to achieve second-round value. Like he, he should be locked and loaded for it as long as he's healthy. So it's not a bad pick for somebody. Well, and it may not be a bad pick for me. I mean, if I, if I, <laughs> if I start off guard-guard and it gets to the first pick of the third round and I'm up, I, I I might take Robert Williams, but I don't know. He's he's. I didn't have him anywhere this year. He just doesn't really fit my fit my what I do. I guess yeah. my my mo. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I do like him though. I do. I I love the Time Lord. I love it. The next guy, Steve, is you know I was talking a minute ago about gaining an edge in any given category. These these second round picks who. You know, Jason Tatum's stat line, yes, it's good, but you're not getting a huge leg up anywhere. The, Fred Van Vliet is a guy who actually is going to give you, when healthy, a, a huge advantage in some categories, particularly the 6.7 assists, 1.7 steals, 3.73 pointers. To me, if Van Vliet is healthy, I think there is a case for, almost a case for taking him over Tatum, but we have the health concerns here now, Steve. So where are you with Van Vliet as a, you know, early second round guy next year? Yeah, I, th- I think... I like Fred Van Vliet a lot. And like you said, if he's healthy, not only does he do all that stuff you mentioned, but he can also throw 40-point games up with no yeah. problem. Um, so there's there's a lot to love about Van Vliet's game. And the way they use him in Toronto is kind of custom-built for for fantasy hoops. So, yeah, I I don't – I'll be surprised if he's still on the board for the – first or second pick of the second round next year honestly you think he's gonna go you think he's gonna be a first rounder late first rounder in some leagues i do i think he was this year i'd have to double check that i don't know i don't know where he went in those leagues but i feel like people were on him 18 18 in the 14 team company league as one example okay all right so so but by the way i mean the, the only real concern other than the knee you know he missed 17 games this year is the 40.3 percent shooting which is a little frustrating but he's not a high turnover guy for a fantasy point guard, 2.6 turnovers per game. So that's nice too. The The next turnovers help. The next few guys I would call all 
they're almost all in the same fantasy like department, which is these super high upside guys with really with first round fantasy potential, but extensive injury resumes and extensive injury risk. And that's number 16, Paul George, number 17, Jimmy Butler, number 18, Kristaps Porzingis. Can you envision yourself taking any of these guys in the second round, Steven, feeling good about it, given the injury concerns? And if so, who would be your top pick out of those three? Well, there were four, right? It was Paul George. Porzingis. I said George Butler Porzingis. I didn't include Chris Paul, who's number nineteen, because okay. I mean, you can if you want to. I mean, Chris Paul missed some time this year, but it wasn't like I don't know. It, it was a little more of a fluky injury, right? I don't know. It wasn't like his I, hamstrings or something. Was, Chris Paul, as, you know, I've been scared to draft Chris Paul for like thirteen years now, thirteen straight years of yeah. being scared of Chris Paul's knee and I've been burned on it for 13 straight years. So, yeah, I mean, I, it just wouldn't be right for me to start drafting Chris Paul at this point, but right, he's always proven me wrong and, and props to him for doing that. Cause he's, he's been awesome. But as far as Paul George and Jimmy Butler and Chris Stapps were Zingas, man. Um, yeah. I mean, those are the guys that every year you and I are like, Oh, Hey, hold on. Jimmy Butler is right. going to miss a million games, which he did this year. Yeah, he missed Chris 25. Chris Porzingis missed a million games this year. Yeah. Um, Paul George missed a million games this year. So, no, I don't want to draft any of those guys. I agree. I mean, the, the upside is so nice if you can get some of these guys in the second round. I just – it's too risk. It's too much risk early on in your draft when I think you can you can go safer, right? I mean, where are you going to be able to get – We'll get to in a minute, but where are you going to be able to get LaMelo Ball? Like, will you, you know, I I almost flip all of these guys that we're going to talk about toward the end of this, who are end of second round guys. I I put them above the Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Porzingis tier simply because of the health concerns. And we're going to talk about these later second round, second round guys in a minute. Let's talk about the the two guys from the Suns, though, who are back to back at 19 and 20, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, Paul, I mean, we've already covered it, Steve. At some point, you know, at some point the cliff is coming. I don't know when that is. And at, I mean, until until proven otherwise, like I think he's going to be a really good second round pick for somebody. His playoff opener, 30 points, seven rebounds, 10 assists with three steals and four triples. This past season, he averaged 14.7 points, 10.8 assists, 1.9 steals and 1.03s. I mean, you're just setting yourself up to be in a great position in dimes and steals if you draft Chris Paul. Yeah, and this newfound fountain of youth in Phoenix, and Phoenix has their sights on winning a championship, and everybody's playing together, and everything feels right there. And and I feel like, like I don't feel like I see Chris Paul laying on the floor a lot. It's not like he's out there just sacrificing his body and getting taking all these hard hits. It's it's more of a finesse game where he's just setting up his teammates. Mm-hmm. He's shooting little fadeaway mid-range shots where he's not getting touched. And I think he's really conserving his body. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think Devin Booker I would draft early second round. I, I know he doesn't – he's got a couple holes in his game, sort of like Tatum. But, man, he's he's also really, really good. And he was over a steal this year. His assists feel like were kind of up. Five a game, five rebounds. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that from from Devin Booker. So I, mean, I would draft Booker in from all those old guys we talked about. And I think 
Yeah, and we did quietly see like some really important improvements from Booker this year, right? In terms of fantasy, the threes went from one point nine to two point seven. The scoring average, okay, went up a point, but the rebounds went up four point two to five point zero. The assists went up four point three to four point eight, and the steals went up, like you said, point eight to one point one. And maybe it's a psychological difference for me, Steve, but like the difference between point eight and one point one somehow matters in my brain. I, I just. Looking at that 0.7 or 0.8 in steals, I consider that a liability. And over one is not somehow in my mind. I think there might, are there math, you know, numbers, people who would refute that? I'm not sure, but that's just how I've always thought of it for better or for worse. And he cut his turnovers, by the way, 3.1 to 2.4. So I think if Booker ends up going, like, where do you think Booker is going to go compared to Tatum? I guess that's my question, because if Booker is going six, seven picks later, there's a lot of value there. In not in not making the Tatum pick and instead drafting a similar set of numbers in Booker. Well, first of all, Matt, 0.3 steals per game over an 82 game season comes out to be about 20, 25 steals. Yeah. Okay. And you get, let's say you got two guys at 0.8, and you got, or you got two guys you can draft at 1.1. That's 50 extra steals you're looking at. That's a lot of that's a lot of steals over, over the course of the season. So that's concrete math, Steve. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, am I drafting Devin Booker or Chris Paul first? Was that the question? No, the question was where do you where do we think Booker is going to go in comparison to Tatum? So Tatum ranked 13th in nine category leagues. Booker ranked 20th. If you tell me it's going to be similar where they're getting drafted next year. I'm absolutely not drafting Tatum at that spot, and I would try to get Booker instead if I feel like that's the set of numbers I'm targeting. Yeah, I feel like they're they're going to both go like that 12 to 16 range. Yeah, I don't, Booker feels like he's moving up. I agree. He's moving up. He's moving up. I also think LaMelo Ball is moving up, Steve. We talked a little bit about this last week as a second-round guy who could potentially make a first-round leap. And we saw him this year average 20.1 points, 6.7 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 1.6 deals, 2.9 threes, the number 21 overall player in nine category leagues. And for me in fantasy, I'm hoping that people forget that for a lot of the season, LaMelo Ball actually was a fantasy first rounder. And when we when we get past 12, do we think he's going? Do we think he's going to last to the very start of the second round, Steve? Or do you think he's going late first? It depends on what league you're in and if I'm in yeah. it or not. But I mean, I don't, he's not going to get past like, 14 yeah like, i think he's i think he's 13 for me right now like in, if we're talking about a guy who just you could easily see him coming back and making a, a leap from what he did this year which was already really good the floor is second round right and the ceiling is is top eight i'd say well at this he, point, he so. did make a huge leap this year um if his stats would have would have finished out where he was paced to be the yeah. first half of the season he would be a first round player. So, right. And, it, and he's going to get, he's going to be better next season than he was this season. So, yeah, I mean, right. I'm, uh, he's not getting past the end of round one for me, probably. Right. But it's a potential loophole in some leagues. If he's somehow going early second round, then you may, you may be getting two first round players, two top 10 players right off the bat to start your draft. Well, and I mean, that's my favorite place to draft right now. This year it was 12 and 13 because, yeah. I could get Luca and then I could get LaMelo and then my team would just roll people. So, or you can get Trey or you, you know, there's so many people, so, so much room for activities, Matt. <laughs> How much room for activities? Was that Step Brothers uh, bunk bed reference there, Steve? 
Yeah, it was. That's I think about that scene often. It's a classic. I, I think we're where are we with Tyrese Halliburton compared to Lamelo? Halliburton was the twenty second ranked player overall. That's season long. So exploded after going to Indiana in a lot of ways. But for the season, fifteen point three points, four point zero rebounds, eight point two assists, one point seven steals, two point one threes. Those numbers were even better with the Pacers, assuming that the Pacers do not land Russell Westbrook. Let's let's live in that world for now, Steve. How high are we taking Halliburton? I mean, I think Ryan Knauss was talking about him as a late first rounder uh, last time I spoke to him, unless I remember that incorrectly. I'm I'm kind of sold on Tyrese Halliburton. Like the Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, Lamelo, Luca, all four of those guys. You can put them in the same basket, and if you give me any of them, I will be thrilled. Like if I come yeah. out of my draft with any of those four guys, I'm going to be happy. I mean, I think Halliburton is is toward the back end of that for me. But I mean, again, we're talking, and I'll have him lower than LaMelo. Personally, that's just my personal preference. But again, if you can get him at like 14 or 15, I mean, you're just thrilled, I think. I just love the way the Pacers, first of all, the Pacers were able to get him in a trade. And everybody in the basketball universe was like, what just happened? What is Sacramento doing getting rid of this kid? He's so incredible. And everybody's like, well, then Sacramento's like, well, wait, we got Domas Sabonis back. And he's no slouch, Judge. And uh, I I just feel like um, Tyrese is on a different level. And I feel like the Pacers are going to do whatever they can to showcase this kid and make sure the team evolves around him. I'm not scared. I'm not scared to draft him at all. I think even, even if they were to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon and bring in Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not going to to play point guard over Tyrese Halliburton. So even in that scenario, that, that would just mean that Brogdon's out of the way for me. Um, and, and let's let Halliburton rip. But I, I'm not scared to draft Halliburton at the end of round one or early in round two. I mean, for me personally, if Westbrook somehow does end up with the Pacers, I'm I'm moving Halliburton down. But we're not there, and I think we're we don't have to worry about that scenario just yet and i'm just again i'm just gonna live in the world where that's not happening two utah jazz players to close this out steve it's rudy gobert at 23 donovan mitchell at 24 rudy gobert 15.6 points per game 14.7 rebounds 0.7 steals 2.1 blocks we pretty much know what we're getting from gobert and fantasy at this point and it's solid and given the scarcity of blocks i have no real issues with taking him in the second round and donovan mitchell had an interesting fantasy season 25.9 25.9 points, 4.2 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.5 steals, and 3.53s. The steals really jump out to me with Mitchell. Made a notable improvement there. Do you think – it doesn't feel like Mitchell's really going to last toward the end of the second round either, right? And and I don't know. Yeah, I want to just get your thoughts there. Yeah, I don't – I feel like Mitchell's going to be going about the time Devin Booker goes. Yeah. Um Yeah. I'd rather have Booker, but Donovan Mitchell's flashy because he scores a lot of points and everybody knows his name, which that adds that adds onto his fantasy draft. Appeal. His ADP. What was that stat Vaughn said the other day in our show? Like Donovan Mitchell throws the ball to Rudy Gobert like three times a game or it's something. It's like twice. It's like twice a game or something like that. Twice yeah. Twice a game. Like that's yeah. a little that's a little disturbing. Um yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good with Donovan Mitchell, but I don't want I want 
all the guys we've talked about before I mess with Donovan Mitchell. Like I want him at the end of round two. But you're the- are you putting are you putting him ahead of the injury risk guys that we talked about, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Porzingis? I would draft Donovan Mitchell ahead of all three of those guys, yes. So so Mitchell tentatively for you right now, if we're just sketching this out and things are gonna change a lot, could change a lot, is like twenty range for you. That's yeah, where you seventeen would... to twenty three, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's the second round. This year's second round on per game basis in review. Any final parting thoughts on that for you, Steve, or at all before we get out of here? Uh, I had, I will say that even though the numbers say that Luca was a third round player, um, I did very well wherever I had him this year, and I will continue to draft Luca as as high as it takes for me to get him, um, at least for the next upcoming season after that we'll have to see at least for the next decade and then we'll reevaluate after that (laughs) (laughs) all right that is going to do it for us on this episode don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we're back on wednesday and friday this week talking playoffs a little more season and review i think we also have a tales from the attic coming up on wednesday so look out for that I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live with us today. And Steve, uh, thank you to you uh, for joining me today. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.